morning, everybody. I, I am the Chief Executive Turning Point. I was also a member of the NHS Future Forum, along with my colleagues, some of whom are sitting in the front there, Paul from Mind, etc. I want to say a couple of things, first of all, about Turning Point, secondly, about my experience of, of listening and, and respond to the, uh, some of the comments that have been made by the earlier speakers, excellent speakers, Julie and, and, and Deborah. First, uh, Turning Point. We are a not-for-profit provider of health and social care interventions across a wide range of services mental health we provide significant chunks of increased access psychological therapies programs indeed uh, we are in a very helpful useful partnership to the people of Bristol with um, with Deborah we also provide services in Derbyshire and Somerset uh, we're also one of the largest providers outside the NHS of, of substance misuse services for people with alcohol and drug problems uh, we provide significant chunks of services for people with learning disabilities employment and all points in between we also do big chunks of community commissioning so we've been around for a while we we employ about two and a half thousand people turn over 80 million quid and, and we do employ about 200 volunteers and I, I, I want to make a point before I start I always we talked about this earlier. I was a bit confused about the term independent sector because in a free country with an open democracy, independence seems to come with the passport. There is a significant difference, actually. We are a not-for-profit provider of health and social care services. Ramsey is a for-profit provider of health and social care services. And I've got to be honest, I find that the term independent sector actually goes to the very heart of public fear around private profit and not profit or not dividend distribution. During the course of the listening exercise, what I heard from members of the public, patients, doctors, nurses, people in my own street, which cannot be assuaged, you know, were fears, genuine fears, which cannot be assuaged simply by fact, there's a historical experience behind some of this, that the for-profit sector the, the, will, will drive choice out of the NHS and you know people referring to having to put the shilling back on the shelf in case they ever got ill uh, are quite emotive statements but drive an awful lot of public opinion which you know politics is the art of the possible and what makes things impossible is often public emotion which is why we have to do a listening exercise in the first place so uh, I, I recognize the, the the points that have been made by uh, Julie in particular turning point has a number of partnerships with for-profit organisations. We don't, I don't have a prejudice against profit-making or, or indeed dividend distributing companies. We have partnerships with Circa, we have partnerships with a number of health companies, but those partnerships are based on one thing. How is it the question that we ask? We ask two questions. One, do we have an alignment of values around what needs to be provided for patients and clients? And is there a win-win? And I'm always pleased when I go into a a meeting, a negotiation with our private sector partners when we both walk out slightly miserable. If, if the private sector walk out pleased, I know I've been done. And, 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 and that's, that's, because, that's because I think you know, at the end of the day, it is about the provision of choice and excellent services for, uh, for patients, not necessarily about the people who provide it. And actually, the public are less concerned about who provides the services these days, whether it's public, private, or not-for-profit. What they're interested in is the effectiveness of those services and whether they're going to be treated like individuals and not numbers and whether they're going to get an integrated service that means they don't have to go to several different counters to withdraw the same service. I mean, that's what, that's what matters. 
Turning Point has been involved in delivery of health and social care for since 1964. And during that time, we've moved from a position where many people in the public thought that charity and charitable sector could only be provided if it was as a result of people putting a tenner in a tin and providing services by, by volunteers. And I think it's important that we establish that organisations like Turning Point have very strong governance structures, very strong clinical governance structures, provide service, highly complex services to to many, many people. In our case, it's over 160,000 people during the course of any one year. But, you know, you look at uh, organisations like Nuffield Hospitals, which are also, which is a charitable institution, which provides hospital health care on a not-for-profit basis to, to many hundreds of people and provides very complex interventions for, for, for many people. I want to just say a, a couple of words about, about competition. During the course of the listening exercise... The, uh, I think it, my, my perception was that the competition debate was often confused with, with, with privatisation. You know, the two things got in, conflated in people's minds. To compete meant to privatise. And in fact, you know, the two things are very different. So they are, but talking just about competition, competition can be a very good thing. It can increase efficiencies in the market, it can increase and produce choice, it can reduce public expenditure, it can introduce new players. It can do all those things in the interests of the public. It can also create monopolies, which once having become monopolies, drive up price and actually reduce the, the effectiveness of services. It can increase the costs of competition, particularly where you have limited resources, and no one can doubt that the NHS has limited resources. We've been told that all the time. And certainly, if you, it's all public money, and if you're bidding for a, a service, if you bid you know, five bids, putting in those bids costs money. If you win one, <laughs> you, know, you hope to recoup the cost of bidding for the five during the course of the serve. If you keep doing that, it costs and the idea that, just, that, that competition is some force of nature that exists outside the context of any political framework that we have to bow to seems to me to be palpable nonsense. Competition needs to be managed. It needs to be put into a context. And I think what my view is that, that competition in, in, the, in the NHS, as in many public health services, needs to be seen to be transparent. And we've seen during the past few weeks with the debacle around Southern Cross how murky it can be... <laughs> where you have a situation in a market where you suddenly have a big player that has grown very quickly due, due to having, at the time, an effective business model, which turns out to be not so effective in the current circumstances, leading to the public purse having to, uh, to get involved. I mean, if Southern Cross goes under, those 30,000 people are going to have to be looked after by somebody. And it's redolent, I guess, in the minds of many people in the public, and certainly in my mind, with the banking crisis. I mean, we can't get away from it. We, we did have the, um, some people, well, my next-door neighbour refers to it as the big, biggest bank robbery in the history of Western capitalism. It was an inside job, and the blighters have got away with it. But, but the, point is, <laughs> the point is that it is possible. It is possible that competition can create really bad things for the public. And what we require is an appropriate context within which competition can operate, where the main source of funding in that market is the public purse, and that's certainly the case in the NHS. I don't think it's unreasonable 
to expect that players in that market show how their company, how their services aren't just taking out of that market by creating profit for shareholders, which at the end of the day, the only difference between Turning Point and Ramsey, in a sense, is that when I wake up in the morning, I'm legally obliged to improve the lives of Turning Point's clients. On the way to doing that, it'd be a good idea if Turning Point was safe and viable and hopefully growing. If I work for Ramsey, I'd be legally obliged to improve long-term shareholder value. On the way to doing that, it'd be a good idea if you were, if you were safe, you know, legal and growing. I mean, it's not, you know, you, you take your choice, and you know, I'm privileged to work for Turning Point. But... I think the public have a right to expect where public money is being applied in those markets that operators show how they are adding value to the public service, how they are not just taken out. And that brings us into the, the whole realm of social value and how you measure it and how it can be included in the procurement process. Let me say two things about procurement and commissioning, because I think um, the pre two previous speakers have mentioned commissioning. The means by which the bulk of public money is spent in NHS is through this process called commissioning. And I have to say, one of the things that came out again through the listening exercise was how disengaged patients, individuals, communities felt they were from the process that led to services being closed, new services being opened, and indeed, which will lead to hospitals being closed, A&E um, services being closed, and the opinions and the views of communities that, that receive those services. And so at the heart, I think, of the new NHS world must be commissioning processes that engage individuals and communities. And indeed, commissioning must be defined or redefined as the means by which you understand the needs of an individual and or a community such that you can build a platform for procuring services on their behalf. Note the separation between procurement, between that process and the practice of procurement, both of which are very are critical to both getting best value out of the, my tax dollar and creating bespoke services for individuals and communities. I think I've gone on for long enough, but I think the challenges created by the listening exercise will not be resolved simply by rewording the, the legislation. I think an awful lot more listening has to be done to truly understand and manage the, the genuine and, I think, appropriate anxieties that many people outside this room have about the future of the NHS. Thank you. Thanks,